Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. It is crazy to think about that we were sitting here two weeks ago talking about how the Bears need to fire everybody because their playoff hopes were going to go out the window with a loss to the Lions. They were at a 6% chance of making the playoffs. Now here we are. There's a 71% chance of making the playoffs, and it could go up to more than 80% chance of making the playoffs with a victory today over the Jacksonville Jaguars, that game coming up at noon on CBS. I'm taking you right up to kickoff here. On the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUWFM 88.7, I'm Nick Schultz. Great to be with you for the final show of 2020. Thank goodness this year is over for multiple reasons. I will recap the year at 11.45. We'll do a little year in review to talk about the big events. And I want to say it took up about half my page of notes talking about the big events of this year. We'll recap all of that later in the show. And I hope everybody had a very safe and Merry Christmas Excited to get back at it today again. Bears-Jaguars coming up at noon on CBS. Bears playoff hopes are alive. They're alive and well. I'll do a deep dive into that, plus a tweet from a certain NFL insider regarding an extension for Mitchell Trubisky. I'll get to that. The Bulls are 0-2 to start the year, and it's not a pretty 0-2 to start the year. Not that 0-2 is ever pretty, but it's hard to defend an 0-2 start if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Bulls can't play defense. Talk all about that coming up. College hoops. There's a lot of college basketball to talk about. Northwestern is 3-0 for the first time in more than 50 years. The Illini back on track with a big win yesterday, and Valley play starts today. I will open the Missouri Valley mailbag, which I opened yesterday. I've had three submissions to it. Well, two and a half. But I will answer those questions if you have anything you want to contribute during the show, feel free to tweet at me at NickSchultz underscore 7. I have my Twitter open. I will read any and all tweets on air, assuming they're clean and they make sense. So that'll be coming up in the second half hour, the Missouri Valley Mailbag, probably closer to 1130. And we'll see what we can get to. Let's start with the Bulls. Ouch. That's the only word I could think of. Ouch. At least... At least when Jim Boylan was coach, you could say he focused on defense. 
because that's what he wanted to focus on was defense. And I'm not saying Billy Donovan's not focusing on defense. I'm sure he is. But if he is, it's not apparent because the Bulls lost 124-104 to to Atlanta. And that's a 20-point loss, the most lopsided opening day loss in 40 years, I think. And then they turned around and lost 125-106 to to Indiana last night. And they went had a cold spell in the third quarter. And they still couldn't defend the perimeter, or they couldn't defend inside. So now the Bulls are 0-2 once again. They got a game today against Golden State tonight at 7. That is a bad Golden State team. I'll talk about their problems in just a second. But yeah, not a good start. As someone who predicted the Bulls to make the playoffs, I'm sitting here going, what have I done? Because that start was ugly. This is as bad a start as you could have thought of for the Billy Donovan era and the Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley era because the defense was just non-existent. I really don't know what the answer is, if there even is an answer right now because it's so early in the year. But if there is one, I'm going to try and figure it out because, yeah, not great. I was watching the Atlanta game, and I'm thinking, okay, you know what, it's Atlanta. Trey Young did Trey Young things. He had a really good game once again. He tore the Bulls apart. I thought, okay, they'll bounce back against Indiana. They were winning after the first quarter. I feel like I'm going all Jim Boylan. They won the first quarter, lost the second quarter, lost the third quarter. Because that's what happened. They got out to a decent start. We're leading after the first quarter, and then the wheels fell off the bus. You're not going to win a lot of games, and I tweeted this. You're not going to win a lot of games when Zach Levine only has two points with three minutes to play in the first half. He finished with nine and a half. And I know Zach Levine is not a number one guy on most, if not all, other teams. But you're not going to win a lot of games when your number one guy only has two points at that point. And the third quarter yesterday, I even tweeted, who's going to score more points in the third quarter this weekend, the Bulls or the Bears? And last I checked, it was split 50-50. But third quarter was bad. And then Billy Donovan had some interesting comments after the game. And it, this is refreshing. I got to tell you. It was kind of a meme watching Jim Boylan's press conferences the last couple years. Because he kept hearing about heart and spirit. Well, Billy, Billy Donovan did talk about spirit. But not in the context Jim Boylan did. About how Jim Boylan loved the Bulls' spirit. It's not exactly what Billy Donovan said. So I'm going to read you these because I don't have the audio handy. i just on short notice. But Casey Johnson wrote a column last night after the game at NBCSportsChicago.com. It was a pretty good column, as always, with Casey. Here are some quotes from Billy Donovan. And I will kind of give my analysis on it, but I will encourage you to do with these what you will. Quote, they don't handle it. This is referring to, I believe, adversity. They don't handle it. They don't at all. They internalize their mistakes. They internalize what's going on. And I've said this before. They've got to do this together. They've got to fight together. We're probably on most nights, probably not going to be the most athletic or the most talented or the most experienced. But we can be a team. We have control over it. That can have a lot more fight in ourselves. I came out on the court one time because I saw them, the players, come out of the huddle and they just all look totally dejected. The bottom line is this is professional basketball. And you've got to be able to respond and deal with adversity. I think for anybody at this level, if you can't handle that, it's hard to be great, great player at this level. Hard to be a great, great player at this level. 
It's something we're addressing and talking about on a constant basis. I have more. I think as young players, when you have experienced losing, it can beat you down. The bottom line is, as they get further and further beaten down, they have to be responsible for their own rescue. If someone throws a life raft out there, you have to actually swim to it. You can't say, bring it to me. We have to be responsible for digging ourselves back out of the hole. I do think it is the mentality. I do think it is disposition. And I do think it's an attitude. And here's the money quote. We need to get more of a relentless attitude and spirit. Donovan said. That's refreshing, isn't it? After games like this, I can remember Jim Boylan going out there just raving about our team played with heart, we played with spirit, etc., etc., cliche, cliche. I love that Billy Donovan did not hold back. And I know the players agree with him because Casey had a quote from Wendell Carter talking about how he agreed with the coach's assessment. Same with Zach Levine. Yes, this is a young team. I want to say youngest team in the league. I know the youngest starting lineup in the league. No one's over 23. Maybe 20. Is Lowry 24 now? I can't remember. Either way, you get my point. Very young starting lineup. So, yeah, there's going to be growing pains. But they've got to, like Billy Donovan said, they have to respond to it better. And I thought they were starting, that first quarter, they were starting to respond a little better. Kobe White was starting to take over a little bit. And then the second quarter, they just laid an egg. Yes, there are growing pains. It's going to happen with a young team like this. It's unavoidable. And after the last few years with Jim Boylan, there have been a lot of losing. So that's an adjustment too. But I really think like the fact that the coach went out there and said that in the press conference makes me so happy because that, that tells me he's holding them accountable in practice too. I'm not saying Jim didn't. Let me make that perfectly clear. I have my opinions on Jim Boylan, as you know if you've listened to the show long enough. I have my opinions on Jim Boylan. I'm not saying he didn't hold the guys accountable. But he didn't make that known to the media. He didn't go behind the microphone and say this. He did one time. He talked about a defensive lapse from Zach Levine or a poor defensive effort from Zach Levine. And then we went and watched the tape and we went, where was the bad defensive effort? So Jim tried to go out in the media and do this. But I think the credibility that Billy Donovan brings to that podium brings a lot behind these quotes. And that is a really good thing that he's out there. I mean, 0-2 against I mean, Atlanta and Indiana. They're in the Eastern Conference, so take it with a grain of salt. But they're better teams in the conference. Golden State's a bad team coming up. If you've watched any Golden State Warriors games, I've watched them both this year. Steve Kerr has to actually coach this year because Klay Thompson's out for the year with that Achilles injury. Draymond Green was out the first two games. He's, rumor is he's coming back tonight against the Bulls. Haven't seen anything official yet, but that's the scuttle around the league, I guess, is that Draymond could come back tonight. But Steph Curry can't do it all. And I really, I like James Weissman. I really do. I'm not sure how he fits in with the Warriors system because... The Warriors are so much about small ball and shoot the three. I think he's had a really good start. I think he's gonna, he could be a good piece if Steve Kerr can coach him up. But as we sit here now, it could just be a good, really good start. And with the system, once Draymond comes back, I'm not sure how effective he'll be. Let's talk about Steve Kerr for a second. 
This is another thing. If you've listened to the show long enough, you know I'm not a big fan of Steve Kerr as a coach. Why do I say that? When you have a team of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant the one year, Draymond Green, I could win coaching that team. There's not a lot of coaching to do. Now, KD's gone. He's in Brooklyn. Clay's hurt. Again, he's out for this year again. He's going to be two years in a row without Clay Thompson. Yes, Draymond Green's coming back today. Steph Curry's your best player. He's in the lineup. Draymond Green is, okay, he's a solid player. I, would, I wouldn't consider him one of the great players in the game. But he's a solid player. He's not bad by any means, and he's a starter on all teams. So, Draymond Green is a solid piece. you got two pieces to work with. You need to coach the other guys. You can't just sit there and let them shoot their threes. They're not going to be lights out. You have to actually coach. And I don't know if Steve can do that. Granted, he coached under Greg Popovich. So he's got that experience behind him. But now Steve Kerr's in charge. He has to coach those guys. And I'm just not sure he's a good coach, if that makes sense. He seems like a good leader. He's not a good coach. But we'll see that on display again. Bulls, Warriors tonight at 7 o'clock. That game on NBC Sports Chicago. Hopefully the Bulls can get back on track. I did like what I saw from Patrick Williams in game one. Last night was decent. You can't expect a lights out game every night. But I liked what I saw from Patrick Williams in game one. I thought Kobe White looked bad in game one. He responded well last night. Not lights out, but good response. There's a lot of season left there. 70 games left in this year. Could the Bulls get back on track? Yeah. If you've been in Chicago long enough, you know. Start of the season, it's always overreaction time. These losses are obviously the end of the world. It obviously means that Karnaschovas and Eversley have no idea what they're doing, and Billy Donovan might not be as good a coach as everyone thought, and this team might just be the worst team in the league, and everything is just terrible. That's not the case. This is a young team that is developing, and now that there's a player development department, I really think that this team will get better. I don't know how they can, especially just because last year they needed coaching and they didn't have it. Now they have the coaching, and I think they can take a leap forward. Tonight's going to be a good barometer because the Warriors aren't great. They're not good. And they don't work the ball inside that much, even with Wiseman. He's their only guy inside. The the defense in the paint was the problem yesterday against Indiana. They just cannot defend inside. I don't know if it's Lowry, if it's Wendell. I, I have no idea. But the defense down low yesterday was atrocious. And the fact that it's on a back-to-back, it's short time to respond. We'll see how they do. I know under Jim, they were decent on back-to-backs. But we'll see. Again, 7 o'clock tip. We'll be following that. I want to get to the Bears in a minute, but we do have some breaking news as we came on the air today. Uh, I just saw this from the National Baseball Hall of Fame nine minutes ago. Phil Necro passed away overnight at the age of 81. Knuckleballer. He uh, was one of the great knuckleballers of all time. 81 years old, Phil Necro passed away last night. That's a loss right there. You talk about legend status. He's one of my favorite pitchers ever as someone who, when I played, 
obviously I, I hate talking about like my high school career because it's kind of gravy at this point. But in high school and growing up, I wanted to throw a knuckleball. And my dad told me about Phil Necro. And he's one of my favorite pitchers ever, just as a someone who wanted to throw a knuckleball. And I just saw that tweet as I was talking about the Bulls. So again, Phil Necro passed away last night at the age of 81. That's a loss for Major League Baseball right there. Let's move on to the Bears, because the playoff hopes are alive. Somehow, the playoff hopes are alive. I don't know. I, I don't get it. A couple weeks ago, sitting here, they're dead in the water. Fire everybody. They're not going to do anything. They've responded well, because now they have a 71% chance to make the playoffs. And let me make sure I get this number right. If they win today against Jacksonville, which I think they will, Jacksonville is not good. The playoff odds increase to, let me see if I can get the number back up. It was up here earlier. I want to say it's like 84% playoff odds. So the Bears are literally controlling their own destiny. And if they win out, they'll be in. Yeah, those odds increase to 84% if Chicago beats Jacksonville today. So we went from a 6% chance for the Bears to make the playoffs to an, potentially an 84% chance in two weeks. Welcome to the NFL. Things changed that fast. And these odds increased that much because Arizona lost to San Francisco last night 20-12, to despite the best efforts of Robbie Gold. I really didn't expect to be here talking about missed field goals and extra points by Robbie Gold. But if the Niners lost that game, I think Bears Twitter would have would have erupted. And I even tweeted the picture of Ryan Pace looking around the door because he's the one who got rid of Robbie Gold. Just saying, Cairo Santos hasn't missed a field goal since week four as I knock on wood here. But yeah, Robbie Gold's best efforts last night. <laughs> it was close. But the Niners won. Cardinals lost. So the Bears need to win out is what needs to happen. And to do that, they have to beat the Jaguars today, which the Jaguars are bad. They're in position for the number one draft pick, which don't get me started on that. Give me give me one minute to finish this thought, and I'll tell you my thoughts on that. The Jaguars are in position for the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to want to win this game today. That's why Mike Glennon's starting. It's the Mike Glennon revenge game for a reason. So they got to beat the Jaguars, and then they have to beat the Packers. Here's what needs to happen for the Bears to beat the Packers. Are you ready? The Packers need to lock up a bye today because then next week's game won't matter they won't start Aaron Rodgers and the Bears can go into Lambeau get a win make the playoffs everybody's happy well not everybody's happy but you get my point so there's a lot that needs to happen for the Bears to make the playoffs but it can still happen the Bears could be the playoff team in the city of Chicago right now Let's now. I, there's one thing I want to get to about Matt Nagy and rumors about his job security. But before I talk about that, there was a tweet today from NFL insider Adam Schefter at ESPN. 
This was at 9.30 this morning. This is the headline. NFL executives believe Chicago Bears might consider re-signing quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. That's the headline. Let me take you back a few weeks here. Let's go five weeks ago, middle of the losing streak. Did you expect that headline to come up? I didn't expect that headline to come up. Then you read the story. Trubisky's chances of returning to Chicago next season would be even greater if the Bears, 7-7, can win their final two regular season games and clinch a playoff berth. Trubisky and Bears coach Matt Nagy have combined to post a 24-12 record in games in which Trubisky has started, as as he will Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bears are 3-7 under Nagy in games Trubisky has not started. Okay, let me stop you right there. That's the defense. Just saying. That hasn't all been Trubisky. But the defense has done a lot of work to get that record there. So that's kind of misleading, but I'll, I'll continue here. I'll continue on. Trubisky's performance and record now have left some of the Bears organization wondering what might have happened this season if the 2017 number two overall pick hadn't been benched when the Bears were 3-0. and Chicago is 2-5 this season with Nick Foles as the starting quarterback, averaging just 17 points in those games. Level of competition was a little different there, but I do agree the Bears' offense looks better now that Bill Lazor's calling the plays and Trubisky's quarterback because he's mobile. But since Trubisky has been reinserted as the starting quarterback, the offense is averaging 31 points over its past four games, and Chicago is back in playoff contention. The Bears, who control their own destiny thanks to the Cardinals' upset loss Saturday to the 49ers, visit the one-win Jaguars on Saturday before finishing their season at home against the rival Packers. One NFL executive told ESPN this week that, with the way Trubisky has played down the stretch, Chicago now will have to consider bringing him back a possibility that seemed hard to imagine after he was benched this season. Trubisky's chances of staying in Chicago long-term also appeared slim after the Bears declined his fifth-year option this past May, two months after they acquired Foles in a trade with Jacksonville. It's a bad trade. But Trubisky is having a strong finish to the season, joining Titans receiver Corey Davis as 2017 first-round draft picks to have their fifth-year option declined and then thrive in 2020. few things. Yes, I like Mitchell Trubisky better than Nick Foles, but that's not saying much because even when he was traded, I didn't like Nick Foles all that much. I think Trubisky fits the offensive scheme better. I think Bill Lazor fits the offensive scheme better than Matt Nagy. You've seen the play calling improve. Don't count the Vikings game on Monday Night Football, okay? That game, obviously, a lot happened. Akeem Hicks getting hurt did not help. If Akeem Hicks doesn't get hurt, the Bears win that game. I'm just going to outright say it. Dalvin Cook doesn't score that touchdown. The Bears win that game if Akeem Hicks doesn't get hurt. So that aside, I really think the combination of Bill Lazor and Mitchell Trubisky is good for the Bears. I think this combination works. Now, let me pull up the schedule here. Because I want to talk about the level of competition that Mitchell Trubisky has faced. Because it hasn't been great. So you got to consider that. As I said on last week's show, last week I read the great piece from Jason Leisure where he talked about how the Bears were talking themselves into Mitchell Trubisky. I kind of feel like I'm talking myself into Mitchell Trubisky now. But in this case, you have to take a step back. 
Trubisky came back against Green Bay on November 29th. Okay? Bears lost 41-25. Then the Lions. Trubisky always does well against the Lions. The Bears were winning that game until he fumbled it. So Trubisky fumbled that ball. Bears lost that game. It's not entirely on Mitch, but that play was huge and a game changer, literally. Then he lit it up against the Houston Texans. A terrible defense. Then he put up 33 points against the Minnesota Vikings last week. Not a good defense. Jacksonville, coming up today at noon. Not a good team. They're just bad. Now, when Foles was starting. So Trubisky got benched against Atlanta. Nick Foles led the miracle comeback. He was Superman coming in to save the day. Bears win. Nick Foles is the greatest quarterback in Bears history. Mitchell Trubisky, who who is that guy? We don't care about him. We don't know who he is anymore. Right? Remember all that? And then the then the Bears lost to the Colts. They lost to the Colts. I'm just going to leave that there. The Colts were considered a good defense at the time. But the Bears made them look like they were the 85 Bears. Anyway, then Foles goes in and leads the Bears to victory over Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady and Tampa Bay on Thursday Night Football. Everything is great. Nick Foles is the quarterback of the future. Right? And then the losing started. Because the Bears beat the Panthers 23-16. That game should not have been that close. Okay? Lost to the Rams 24-10. Lost to the Saints 26-23. Saints are a really good team this year. And the Bears took them to overtime. Okay? Titans beat the Bears 24-17 behind Derrick Henry. Vikings beat the Bears 19-13 on Monday Night Football. Foles gets hurt on the last sequence, and Tyler Bray has to come in, and he just, that was bad. Now, I've read off to you the wins and losses. Trubisky has faced the Detroit Lions twice. The Lions are bad. He's faced the Giants. Giants are bad. He faced the Falcons for two and a half quarters. Falcons were bad. And Foles comes in, faces the Colts. Good defense at the time. They've kind of fallen off now. Beating Tampa Bay was a big win. Did you see that game yesterday, by the way? Tom Brady, 348 yards, four touchdowns in one half. Then he faced the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are okay, not great, not bad. They were without Christian McCaffrey. Then Foles goes in, faces the L.A. Rams and Aaron Donald. That's a good defense. Then the Saints. Saints are a good team. Titans. Titans are a good team. Vikings are bad. And then Trubisky comes back against Green Bay. Obviously, Green Bay is going to win the NFC North. That's a good team this year. Then the Lions. The Lions are bad. I don't know why. I still don't know how they lost that game, other than Trubisky fumbling it. The Texans. Bad defense. Bad team. Vikings. Not a good team this year. So you've got to look at the level of competition. Context absolutely matters. Yes, Trubisky's playing probably the best football of his career right now. But look at the level of competition that he's going up against. Now that said, all this in mind, Trubisky, the context with the bad teams he's faced, I don't know why my echo's talking, but okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's fun. No. Okay, that was interesting. <laughs> um, anyway, 
Matt Nagy as head coach. Remember a couple weeks ago when I called for everybody to be fired? I mean, everybody. Pace, Nagy, the, the grounds crew guy, the head trainer, the water boy. I called for everybody to be fired. Because that's what I thought needed to happen. Look at the look at the teams after that Lions game, Houston and Minnesota. I really thought the Bears were going to lay an egg and find a way to lose to Houston. But has Matt Nagy, in the eyes of the Bears, let's look in the eyes of the Bears here, in the eyes of McCaskies, has he responded to adversity well enough to keep his job? Ryan Pace needs to be gone at season's end. That is consensus opinion. I don't care if they win the damn Super Bowl this year. Ryan Pace needs to be gone at season's end. But has Matt Nagy coached himself back into another year? Because look at the play calling difference. I heard Patrick Manley talking about this on the 670 of the score pregame show when I went to go get my cup of coffee before my show today. Matt Nagy's a good head coach, it's starting to look like. Giving up the play calling was huge. And, I mean, as I said, the play calling has gotten better. Yeah, it was a lot of garbage time against the Packers in that. And I really thought the play calling was good against the Lions. It was just the defense didn't show up. Play calling was good against Houston. It was good against Minnesota. There are, I mean, there are always a few plays like, what are you doing? That's going to happen any game. I was watching the Chiefs game last week, and I'm sitting there going, what are you doing on that play? It's the same system as the Chiefs. So I'm starting to think that Matt Nagy has coached his way into another year with the Bears. And I've seen this a few places now, that moving on from Nagy now, you've got to remember the hand he's been dealt. Bad O-line, project quarterback, after he left Kansas City where Patrick Mahomes was there. Project quarterback. Not a lot of offensive weapons. I think if Nagy comes back, Trubisky will come back. Pace is gone. I don't want him anywhere near the next quarterback. But I really and truly think the more I'm talking, I've thought about this now the last probably four days. I have been just thinking about this. And full disclosure, sitting at Christmas dinner, People, we're talking sports. What am I sitting? What am I sitting there thinking about? Is Matt Nagy going to come back and coach the Bears? This is what I. This is what keeps me up at night. Is if Matt Nagy will come back and coach the Bears? The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced he will. As we hit the bottom of the hour, I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. Going back to the Matt Nagy thing, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler even reporting this morning, just a little bit ago, just before I came on the air, multiple people around the NFL believe the Bears will retain Matt Nagy for 2021 as a win over Jacksonville would ensure three seasons of at least eight wins. Final two weeks must play out, but Nagy's team responded to midseason struggles and coach appears well positioned. This is exactly what I just said. I just said that just now. I had not seen that tweet. I just saw it now. That's exactly what I said. Matt Nagy has coached his way into another year. 
It's the plan I talked about a few weeks ago. Fire Pace, because that needs to happen. Bring in another face. Bring in another voice, another name, whatever. Fresh perspective. Have them evaluate Nagy next year. Or if he wants to do like a quote-unquote interview with Nagy before making a decision on keeping him, that's cool too. Because yeah, this would be an eight-win season. If and hopefully, I think when the Bears win today, that's another eight-win season. Yes, I I know you don't have to remind me. They fired Lovey with 10 wins, okay? I know that. I remember when it happened. But Nagy's got leverage. He's young. This is his first coaching gig. There's going to be growing pains. I really think Nagy will be back next year. Mike Glennon revenge game coming up today. Jacksonville against the Bears at noon. They're calling it the Mike Glennon revenge game as a joke. I really don't think Glenn is going to do much of anything. Full prediction coming up at the end of the show, as always, probably in the last 10 minutes or so, 5, 10 minutes. College hoops real fast before I get to my 2020 year in review, as bad as this year was. And it just got worse again if you missed the news. Phil Necro passed away today overnight at the age of 81. That's a big loss for Major League Baseball. That is another legend gone from Major League Baseball. Northwestern 3-0 in Big Ten play for the first time since 1967-1968. It's not like they were beating bad teams in the Big Ten. They beat number four, Michigan State. They beat Indiana. They beat number 23, Ohio State, yesterday. Just yesterday. Are the Cats legit? I haven't been very high on Northwestern this year because they've blown a lot of leads since they made the NCAA tournament a few years ago. They have not played well since making the tournament. With those wins all coming in a row in conference play here, they're 3-0. and Everybody's chasing Northwestern now. Maybe Northwestern is legit. Might be time to start buying some stock in the Cats, if you haven't already. I know I have. I've, I just bought some stock in them yesterday. Northwestern might be a better team than we all thought. And I haven't done my college basketball rankings. I didn't do that. I didn't do that this week because I, with the holiday and I'm back working now Sunday nights, I usually put them out Saturday, Sunday with conference play. It's going to be later. I didn't do my rankings last week. I will this week, programming note of sorts. It'll be out tomorrow. I work tonight. But I haven't done my rankings. But I do know that Northwestern's going to move up with these wins. Moving to the city, because... Again, this is, and Jeff Goodman did this this week, and I kind of, I, I said it on Twitter. Northwestern's in Evanston. It's a suburb. Let's move to the city. Now, Loyola starts Valley play today. That's starting at 3 o'clock. I'll open the Valley mailbag in a second because I do want to talk about Illinois. Illinois, but 69-60 win over Indiana yesterday. Are the Illini back on track? Maybe. Been kind of a up-and-down year for Illinois. I'm not sure they're as good as people say they are, but... That's a good win yesterday, even though the defense is still kind of not all there. 
Still a lot of defensive lapses, a lot more defensive lapses than a team like that should have. But every team's going to have some things to shore up, and the Illini have their fair share. But still, they're ranked 2-1 in Big Ten play. Not bad. The Big Ten's really good this year. I think the Illini are a tournament team. Missouri Valley, today, conference play starts. Valparaiso Bradley is not being played today. There's a COVID outbreak at Valpo. Therefore, the Illinois State Series for next week is postponed as well. Now the Valley has to get into their contingency plans, which I know Doug Elgin, the commissioner, who's retiring at the end of this year, said he has some in mind. Again, the slate today. Drake at Indiana State at noon. Missouri State at Northern Iowa at 3. Illinois State Loyola at 3. Evansville, Southern Illinois at 3. Before I open the mailbag, I do want to touch on the Ramblers game against St. Francis this past week where we got our first look at Jacob Hudson, who, as you recall, last week just got eligible. He received a waiver. Kid looks good. He's a 7-footer down low who can also shoot the 3. He had upward of 14 points, 15 points in that game against St. Francis. Kid's going to be good. I also like what I saw from Demise Anderson. He got in late in the game, and he made his first shot. It was a three-pointer. It looked pretty good. No, Jacob Hudson could be a good piece for this Loyola team going forward. Cameron Crutwig didn't play in that game against St. Francis. It was just rest, which is understandable. You don't want to risk him getting hurt in the last game before Valley play. But now we get to the mailbag. I do want to start with this really insightful question from my buddy Wyatt Wheeler. He covers Missouri State. I put out yesterday that... I was doing a mailbag and like send me questions and Wyatt asked me this great question. If you could swap swap lives with one coach for a day, who would you choose? And they followed it up with, maybe I should ask, why is it Porter Moser or Ben Jacobson? <laughs> My answer is simple. Barry Henson's out of the league. But if I had to pick one, it'd be Porter. Just Chicago, man. Another question from my good pal Jonah Blatt, the Bishop Emeritus of Blurs at Loyola asked me about the thoughts on the Loyola spread. Not sure if I should hammer it or not. Well, the spread's 15 and a half. Loyola's favorite over Illinois State by 15 and a half. That's a big number. I know Illinois State's not great this year. I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Again, you can't bet on college basketball teams in Illinois. I know that. Jonah lives out of state. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch that spread with a with a 10-foot pole. And I think I've only lost three Valley bets this year by my picks. If I picked it right, I think I've only, I think there'd only be three that wouldn't hit. Last question here from the small mailbag sampling here from my guy Blurred Vision on Twitter. Who will be the Valley underdog this year? I think SIU, after the year they had last year, and looking at their record coming in, they're coming in with a lot of surprises. Southern Illinois got a big win against Butler this week on the road. That was a huge win. For Brian Mullins and the Salukis. I am all in on the Saluki hype train. Yes, yeah, Southern Illinois could play spoiler this year. Don't sleep on Drake either. Drake was undefeated in, in non-con. I think Drake and Southern Illinois could play spoiler. I think Loyola and Bradley are still the two favorites. That's a given. AJ Green being out for Northern Iowa doesn't help. I think Northern Iowa is going to be middle of the pack. But Drake... Could easily be a spoiler, and don't sleep on Southern Illinois. you got to remember, Brian Mullins coached under Porter Moser as his top assistant. 
Porter is all about grinding it out, responding to adversity, and giving it your all and playing to win. Brian's the same way. Don't sleep on Southern Illinois this year. That's going to be a really fun team to watch in Valley play. But again, the Loyola game, since since we are Loyola's student station, obviously we're going to talk a little more about the Ramblers. That game coming up at 3 o'clock against Illinois State. Not sure what Porter's going to have drawn up after the St. Francis game because, I mean, as you recall, Cameron Crutway was out. He was resting. Marquise Kennedy and Keith Clemens were also out. Same with Cooper Kafis resting some quote-unquote nagging injuries is what I understand. I think I read that in the Loyola Phoenix. But that's coming up today. 3 o'clock after the Bears game. So, hey, you can watch the Bears game, then you can watch the Loyola game. DePaul's playing Providence as well. I know Jeff Goodman tweeted that that's the best game of the day. Watch for some mid-major games. If Bradley Valpo was still on, I'd say that'd be a fun game to watch. But none of these Valley games, I think, are going to be necessarily close. Maybe Missouri State, Northern Iowa, but not close in that it's going to be a good game. It's actually our first look at Northern Iowa since A.J. Green got hurt. And Antoine Kimmins went home. So that's going to be a game definitely to keep an eye on if you're a Valley fan. Just because I'm not sure what we're going to get from the Panthers this year without A.J. Green, without Antoine Kimmins. Now Trey Burhau's back, that'll help. But I'm, I might tune into that game for a little bit. But thank you to Jonah and Blurred Vision for chiming into the mailbag. I guess I'll, I guess I'll thank Wyatt too. <laughs> it's just a fun question. Wasn't really an ask me anything type of deal, but hey, if that's your, if that's what you want to do, like if you still want to contribute, like feel free to, feel free to chime in. I got 20 minutes here. I got a, another segment here I want to get to, but yeah, feel free to chime in. And as my buddy Connor Ferguson says, we got madness in the valley coming up. That's what's going to happen. This is going to be a really good year for the league. I don't think it'll be a two bid league outside of maybe Bradley. It's got to be Loyola Chicago Bradley in the Arch Madness Championship. And the only way it'd be a two-bid league is if Bradley runs the floor in the regular season and loses in the championship to Loyola. And even then, it's a stretch. Because I vividly remember when Illinois State got absolutely hosed in 2017. And they had to go to the NIT. And Wichita State got to go dancing. And we'll see when Valpo gets back as well. Obviously, they're on pause because of COVID. The Bradley series this weekend is off. The ISU series next week. ISU. The Illinois State series next week is off. I can't say ISU talking about the Valley because there's two ISUs. You've got Indiana State and Illinois State. And we'll see what... I don't know what's going to happen with those series. I really don't. I don't know what contingency plans the Valley would have in place. I know that my, my buddy Jim Benson down at the Panagraphs reporting that... The Redbirds could be looking to add a MAC team this week or something. After the new year, there could be another game on the schedule. You're going to see a lot of that. Conference play going on. Teams will jump out with they, if their opponents go on pause and bring in an extra game to stay fresh. That's going to be pretty common this year. And another thing that's been common is scheduling on the fly. Remember a few weeks ago, Loyola beat UIC at Credit Union 1 Arena and then not two hours later announced they were going to Wisconsin the next Tuesday. So scheduling on the fly is still going to happen in the conference play just because you're going to have programs going on pause. It's the nature of where we're at. 
until the vaccine gets out to almost everybody, that's going to be, this is going to be happening. And I know people aren't tuning in to college basketball because they're playing in the pandemic and it might not necessarily be the safest thing. That's a topic for another time. Right now they're playing, they've decided to play. You've got to look at it that way. They've decided to play. This is the cards are being dealt. You're going to have programs going on pause and conference play. So teams have to be ready to try and stay fresh because the way the Valley's doing it, it's on weekends. So during the week, it's workouts. So maybe they will add another game. Just something to keep an eye on down on normal. I don't know what Bradley's going to do. Obviously, they're not playing today and tomorrow. It'll be very interesting to see what the Valley decides to do. All right, as promised, we're coming up on 1145. That means it is time to recap a year like no other. That is 2020. Absolutely crazy year. And I it started I it started off in January. I'm on the radio, my usual eleven to noon. I get home now Sunday's senior year last year. I did show until noon, went back up to the Lakeshore campus, took a shower, got ready for the day. I had a meeting at two thirty and a meeting at six. Okay. Well, Loyola was playing Northern Iowa. I remember this. I will never forget this. Loyola was playing Northern Iowa that day in Cedar Falls. And I'm in the shower, and my roommate, Andy, is just pounding out of the door. And I'm thinking something's wrong. I'm just getting out of the shower. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, check your phone. And it was the news that Kobe Bryant died. That was the first big event of the year. And I'm looking at it in sports. I, that, was, that one was tough to rebound from. In February, Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yes, that was this year. That was this year. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Finally. The craziest arch madness ever happened in March. Number one and number two seeds went down on Friday. Northern Iowa and Loyola both lost on Friday. And then I was planning on coming in. I, I took that week off because I was in St. Louis. I didn't do the show that first day in March. I was planning on coming back the next week and recapping Arch Madness, but then March 11th, 2020, was the day the sports world shut down. I was in class. And I'll talk about this sometime a little more in depth, but I was in class when everything happened. Two days later, I was on a train home for good because, because of the COVID shutdown. Loyola went full remote. I got the hell out of the city. I've been home ever since. Sports came back in July. The NBA bubble, the NHL bubble. Sports started making their way back. Major League Baseball came back. The Last Dance premiered on ESPN. Little Bulls nostalgia. And it made everyone realize just how bad the Bulls are now. And then this is as the Bulls are making sweeping changes to the front office. Hiring Arturis Karnaschovas to replace John Paxson. And then after an episode of The Last Dance, Karner Chauvis called Mark Eversley and said, hey, I want to hire you now. I'm je- I'm pumped up after The Last Dance. I want to hire you to be my GM. That's replacing Gar Foreman. More changes. John McDonough was fired by the Blackhawks out of nowhere. The Blackhawks made changes to their front office in the last couple weeks. Dan Bowman is now the president of hockey operations. Jamie Faulkner is now the president of business operations. Theo Epstein resigned from the Chicago Cubs. 
Jed Hoyer has taken his place as president of baseball operations. No GM has been named yet to replace Jed. The Sox are in win-now mode and hired a new manager in Tony La Russa, which was not very popular. And then it news came out that he'd been pulled over and got in charge with a DUI. And that sentencing just came out this week, community service and home confinement. Yeah, a lot of news this year. And I, I think I left stuff out, too. But those are the highlights. Or the lowlights, I guess. Because this year has... I'm hoping 2021 is better. Like, I know we're all hoping 2021 is better. Because, I mean, I graduated in May, didn't have a graduation ceremony. I had a virtual ceremony in August. We can only go up from here, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because this year sucked. And next year's not going to start off great. I mean, the vaccines are out now, yeah, but I mean, we're still, the pandemic's still going on, the numbers are still high. Illinois, they're getting better, but across the nation, numbers are still high. Hopefully we'll get through this sooner than later. But man, this year is just, it's been bad. And there's been some good. It hasn't been all bad. I'm I'm glad that WLUW has gotten to where we broadcast remote, so I'm broadcasting from my house in Dwight, Illinois, 75 miles south of Chicago. And I'm I'm glad I can still be with you on Sundays, and I have been now for the past, how long have I been back? Probably five months since I started doing regular shows again. I'm glad this worked out. I mean, I I have my college degree now on a personal level, and... I've gotten closer with my family because I've been living back at home for the last nine or going on ten months. It's the most, this is the longest stretch I've been home since senior year of high school. So there has been some good. you got to take the good with the bad. But all in all, this year is just, on the whole, sucked. But that's a very, that was a five-minute year in review, and I, I, I know I left stuff out. But it's the highlights. Or the lowlights of 2020. As always, as we head up to the Bears game, I only this I only have two of these left this week and next week, talking about my Bears prediction for the day, and hopefully if they make the playoffs because I'm done thinking about draft position. Okay, draft position doesn't matter at this point. Right now, you got a 71% chance going on an 84% chance of making the playoffs. It's actually my computer battery now just changed to 84%. I think that's a sign somewhere. I'm focusing on playoff push. And today, the Bears, I believe, are eight and a half point favorites over the Jaguars. I will double check that, but I want to say it's an eight and a half point line, depending on where you look. And as I said, it's the Mike Glennon revenge game, is what they're calling it. <laughs> Remember, Glennon started over Trubisky that first year under John Fox. That's why I don't count that year against Mitchell Trubisky, is because it was just a lost year. Depending on where you look, the Bears are either 8.5 or 7.5 point favorites. Over or under is 47, depending on where you look. I have the Bears winning 21-10. That might be the most lopsided win I picked all year. and I, I might be even lowballing the Bears point total. But I think Bears are going to win 21-10. to 10. I think David Montgomery is going to have another big game. I'm really glad that the Bears have found their run game because I have been... I've been on the David Montgomery train since he got into the league. 
I, I kept telling people he's better than people give him credit for. And now we're seeing that. Two big games in a row. Granted, again, context matters, but two big games in a row. Probably going to have another one today because the Jaguars are just terrible. And I kind of teased this earlier and got off track. Can we appreciate that the Jets played themselves out of the Trevor Lawrence chase? How does Adam Gase still have a job? I mean, the, the Jets needed to go 0-16. I mean, he's, he needed to be fired anyway. But he needed to especially be fired after winning that game against the Rams last week. I said as soon as the game ended, Adam Gase needs to be fired immediately. How, how he still has a job is beyond me. But now the Jaguars are in position for Trevor Lawrence. They'd win the tiebreaker with the Jets. The season ended today. Therefore, the Jaguars are not going to be playing for anything today. They are a bad team. The Bears are not a great team, but they should still beat Jacksonville pretty handily. Again, Jacksonville is also without James Robinson, the ISU, ISU guy. from He played ISU football for the Redbirds and went undrafted. Jacksonville brought him on. He's been a pretty good piece to their offense. And again, I might be lowballing this point total, 21 to 10. I just don't know. Trubisky's playing better. It could probably go up to 28 to 10. I really think 10 is even too big a number for Jacksonville. But you never know what's going to happen. But that's what I'm sticking with. I'm glad we're also seeing, I'm just looking, I've got the game up on my TV here. Yeah, Bears are in the hunt at 7-7. Seven and seven. Arizona is 8-7 and seven now after last night's loss. As you recall, they lost to San Francisco despite, <laughs> despite, Robbie Gold's best efforts and missing field goals for once. And they're in the hunt, seriously, this time. It's not, last week I said quote-unquote in the hunt, like I didn't think they had a, I didn't have, didn't think they had a chance. Now they're in the hunt for real. And again, 71%, odds could go up to 84% with a win over Jacksonville today. Then, next week, they have to beat Green Bay. They have to beat Green Bay. And the Packers face the Titans tonight on Sunday Night Football. Hopefully, I can't believe I'm saying this. Hopefully the Packers win that game, so next week doesn't matter. I mean, it might still not matter even if they lose, but they're probably going to want to be playing for that first round bye. So, hopefully next week doesn't matter. Again, I'm draft position is out the window now. The... The Bears are more likely to make the playoffs than not to make the playoffs. Therefore, I'm done with draft position. And I, I hope that they pull this off. And again, noon kickoff. That's coming up in five minutes. On CBS, Greg Gumbel's on the call today is what it's looking like on my TV. Bears 21-10. I'm even thinking 28-10 at this point. Now, we're entering the last five minutes of the show here. And, again, this, this is the last show, the last Sunday sports shootout of 2020. And I, I do want to go on a, on a personal note and thank everybody for listening. I mean, this has been one of the things I look forward to during the week. That I look forward to the most, 11 to noon on Sundays, being here with you, interacting with you. Thank you for listening to me yell into the microphone about Chicago sports and my angry sports takes and 
Also, I've expanded the podcast a little bit. Thank you for your support and listening. Please rate and subscribe. I would appreciate it. I'm branching out more into my own podcasting at this point. Right now, they're all in the Sunday Sports Shootout feed, but I'm probably going to be doing my own separate podcast from the show into the new year. It's just something new I want to try and do. And I appreciate everybody listening to that and interacting on Twitter. As I said, th- this year has sucked. And, I mean, I'm again, I'm living at home again, which is not ideal. I'm looking for what I call a big boy job, and I have had a lot of trouble finding a job. It's been a very slow job market. I mean, I'm not one to sugarcoat. I'm up front on the radio, and it's, it's been a very slow job hunt, and I'm really glad I've still got this outlet, 11 to noon on Sundays, to just talk sports and let loose for an hour. And it was not fun not having the show during that stretch from March to June. And I, I'm really, I do want to thank Eleni Prilliman and Paul Quinn and Jamie McMillan for all their work. And c- congratulations to Paul, by the way. He just got his master's degree from Loyola. All their hard work to make this happen and work remotely from home. It has, it's had a lot of headaches, as expected, broadcasting remotely, but we've made it work. And I, I look forward to this hour every week. And my Sundays are crazy now that I'm back at the bar 6 to whenever we close. Because I'm bartending now. And this this hour is a lot of fun. And the, the best part is I don't, I don't make a penny doing this. I'm out here for my own enjoyment. This is for fun. Especially as an alum now. And I, I'm really glad that we got this to go to work remotely i'm planning on renewing the show for the next semester even through the job search my ideal situation is hopefully i'm going to stay in chicago because i mean it's it's home the city's been great to me the last four years and if i can pull that off maybe i'll stay even as an alum even working keeping this time slot i'm not sure there's a lot of unknowns right now as there's with a lot of things with the pandemic But thank you again for all your support, for listening, for putting up with me. Again, I know Winter Free Forum is going on for the next couple weeks. I will be here through that. I'm renewing the show for the spring semester. And from there, it's going to be play-by-ear depending on my situation. And obviously, I will keep everyone posted on the live show, on my Twitter feed, on the podcasts. But I, I am grateful that... I still have this outlet this year because it has been a tough year personally for me with graduation getting postponed and the job search. And I'm looking forward to getting back at it in 2021. First show of the year is January 2nd. I want to say that's the Sunday. January 3rd is the Sunday. New Year's Eve is on a Thursday, not a Friday. So January 3rd, I will be back here for the first show of the new calendar year. And I'm always working on new stuff, too. And might debut a couple new segments or something, something fun. Obviously, this is always fun. But thank you again for your support this year. I'm grateful, and I will make that, I hope I made that clear. And I hope to see you all next calendar year in 2021, which means I will see you next week because I'm running out of time and I've been rambling for five minutes. 
So thank you again. Until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, have a happy new year. I will see you in 2021. Have a great week, everybody.